welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. So let me read that for us. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience." Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible." For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, for the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to the God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, let me pray for us. Um, Loving Father, we give you thanks for your word that is living and is true, and we thank you that um, when we're in your presence, you you shine light on us and that exposes darkness. And as uncomfortable as it is, God, you are freeing us. You are freeing us from um, the works of the enemy um, where he tries to enslave us and bound us. And God, we just thank you that we have an opportunity now to hear um, from your word, from um, Mike. And I ask that you bless his words to us, that they would... Um, penetrate our heart to the places that we even can't see, that you can see, God, that you would clear up those things. Um, Thank you for this time that we have as brothers and sisters, that we get to come together um, and worship you like this, that we have that freedom. We just thank you. We don't take those things lightly, and we don't take them for granted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, guys. I'm Mike, one of the leaders here, and uh, I do this all the time, but this is the first time in a long time that I'm actually nervous. I normally never get nervous. Um, but this passage we're talking about, I've actually been meditating on this passage for years. It's been one of the seminal passages in my life. And, and so I actually have no, I'm not, I planned something, prepared something, but 
kind of have no idea what God is going to say to us this morning. Like, I just asked the Lord, say what you want to say to us this morning, and um, here I am, use me to do it. So I think that's why I'm a little nervous. I'm like, what's, what's going to happen? Uh, so uh, bear with me this morning. We'll, we'll see what happens. We are, we're in this series called Uprising, The War is Won. I want to remind you of that this morning. I talked to a few of you this morning, and it was, it was a rough week for you guys. Uh, and I don't know what you came in here with this morning. I don't know what, uh, what spiritual warfare was like for you, but uh, I want you to recognize this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, spiritual warfare is your life. Like, you are in a battle. You're in a war. And so you're like... You're going to have some tough times, and you may be thinking, oh, I just want to get through these tough times. Well, guess what, guys? Like, we're in a war. And if you're following Jesus, it's, it's going to feel like that. Now, this passage is going to show us uh, what, because uh, that sounds pretty ominous, right? You're like, uh, well, I don't know if I want to do that. This passage is going to show us what the, the beauty of that is as we live out the gospel. And... And so this morning, I, I don't know, I don't know how you're feeling this morning, but uh, you may be frustrated, you may be angry, you may be burdened, you may just, I don't know, are you content this morning? I mean, do you feel content in Christ this morning? Is, is uh, I don't know what's going on at your job, what, in your family, like, where, where are you in your walk with Christ? And you may be sitting there this morning, you may say, I'm... I'm not a follower of Jesus, I don't consider myself a Christian. So, so that, that puts you in a different camp, and, and those questions still apply to you. Uh, but you may be, be saying, well, I don't, I don't believe that stuff. And, and that, like I said, we'll go into it, but Paul says you're, you're over here, and there's darkness, and there's light, there's obedience, and there's disobedience, and, and so on and so forth. But, um, <clears throat> but this morning, if, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to listen and to observe uh, what, what God wants to say to the body of Christ this morning and, and how we should be living out the gospel. Because there's reasons this morning that you're not content. There's reasons that you're frustrated. There's reasons that you're, you're angry or you're dejected or downcast. And we actually, as followers of Jesus, have the power to do something about it. That's the hope we have in Christ this morning. So um, <laughs> the problem is, uh, Romans 12, Paul writes, we're to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. What's the problem with the living sacrifice? Think about a sacrifice laying down on an altar. If it's living, what is, what's it do when the fire gets hot? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wants to crawl off that altar, right? It wants to get out of there. Like when the fire gets hot, I'm not like staying on the altar. We want to we crawl off it as fast as we can. But Paul says we're to be living sacrifices. We're on this altar giving ourselves over. Like, and it's, it's going to get hard. It's going to get rough. And the enemy does not want us there. Right? He does not want us. He does not want the things that we've been talking about, rising unity and rising hope and rising faith and rising boldness and rising influence, rising destiny. He doesn't want these things to rise up among the body of Christ. So he's going to turn that fire up and it's going to get hot, and we're going to want to crawl off. And that's the problem we're going into this morning, but, and here's the bottom line, we're just going to jump right into it, this is a long passage. Here's the bottom line for this morning. Light rises in your life through your death. 
light rises in your life through your death. And if you want light to rise up in your life this morning, then it has to come through your death. Are you ready for that? Do you want that? That is the, that is the door to contentment in Christ Jesus. That is the door to hope in Christ Jesus. That's the door to joy in Christ Jesus. That is very paradoxical, right? I bet when I see that, I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want death. I just want life. But it has to come through your death. Let's, let's go, go into this passage, and, and I'll tell you what I mean by this. And again, uh, we've talked about this. I probably talk about this every time through this series. This does not, as we go through this passage this morning, this is not, when, when I say your death, we're not talking about salvation here. We're not talking about you in Christ. Now, this is for those of you who are in Christ, who, who say that you're believers, who say that you're following Jesus. Like, you have to die to certain things. You have to put down your old self. You have to put it aside. Now, if, you are, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, if you're not a Christian, like, it's all Christ's death that we're depending on, guys. Like, that is, that is, we believe in Christ, we believe he did everything for us, we're casting ourselves at his feet, and we say yes to Jesus, but Jesus says to us, take up your cross and follow me. Take up my death and model it in your life. And our issue is so many of us aren't modeling it in our lives. So many of us, we're not living out the life of Jesus. Okay, so let's, let's jump into here. Uh, Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Do you want to imitate God this morning? Do you want to copy Jesus this morning with your life? Do you want your life to look like the life of Christ? And you may say, yeah, I think I do, yeah. You, 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 know, you may say, I don't know, what's he about to say? <laughs> what's he going to say? Think about Jesus' life. Think about what his life was like. He steps out of heaven. He's born in flesh. He's born in a stable, in a manger. And he grows up in his family as a carpenter. And a lot of people think, there's a lot of scholars that think, sometimes we think, oh, Jesus was poor and all these things. Well, Jesus became poor for our sake, the scriptures say. But a lot of people think those first 30 years of his life, he wasn't that poor. Like, they think Joseph was a pretty successful carpenter. Like, they were building Herod's temple, they were building a bunch of things in that time, and so they had a pretty thriving business. So Jesus became poor twice. Like, he steps out of heaven, gives up everything, and then at 30 years old, he does it again. And then he could have this thriving business, he could have this, uh, I mean, Joseph, we don't hear anything about Joseph anymore, so maybe he was, he was dead. And, and so Jesus is, this is his, his deal, and he steps away from it. And what does life look like as he, follows, as he follows God? He has nowhere to lay his head, so no home. He's like walking around the, the countryside. People are like just wanting him for all kinds of things. People wanting to use him. People wanting to kill him. People are wanting to uh, just take advantage of him. And the whole time he's giving and he's giving and he's giving. Like guys, he, he cries. His soul is in so much anguish that he... That he that when he's praying, blood comes out of his body. Like that's, is that the life you want? Do you want to follow Jesus in that way? Do you want, do you want to model your life after Christ? And then he, and then he dies. He, he gives himself over to the authorities. He, all his friends desert him. Like not one stays with him. All of them scatter. One of his closest friends says, I don't even know that guy. Three times. 
<laughs> it's one thing for me to say, oh, like, I don't even, like, Missy's on trial. I'm like, I don't know her. <laughs> but then for me to say it again, no, 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 I really don't know her. They're like, she's your wife. Like, I've never seen her before in my life. <laughs> like, that's what his friends did to him. And they're gone. Like, and, and then, and he gets beat, he gets tortured, he gets mocked, he gets spit on, all, all this stuff. He dies on a cross as a criminal, an innocent person as a criminal on a cross, naked, humiliated, hanging up there, just tortured and, and dying. The life and the blood coming out of him and his breath coming out of him. Is that, is that the life? When he says be imitators of God, is that, is that what we signed up for as followers of Jesus? Because they didn't tell me that when I was 10. <laughs> they didn't, I don't know what they're teaching in Kid City, but I don't think they're teaching my girls that. Um, but that's the life that Christ lived. Okay, and we're like, oh, well, that's Jesus. Like, well, he, that's, that was a plan for his life. You know, he gave himself up for us. Let's go to the Apostle Paul. Like, this guy was totally against all things of God, and then he had this, this um, experience, came to Christ, and then he's following Jesus. He's just trying to live a life, making tents, doing his vocation, doing his thing, and also trying to uh, plant churches and uh, raise up people and make disciples. But this guy, like, in doing so, he was stoned, he was put in prison, he was, uh, um, and I, when I say stoned, I don't mean, I mean like rocks throwing at him, like he wasn't smoking anything. Like he was like, rocks are being thrown at him to try to kill him. Uh, he was, he was just ostracized, like people deserted him, his friends, his friends deserted him, like all, all this stuff, and you're like, ugh, I don't know about that. Is, that, is that the life I want? Like what life did you sign up for when you said yes to Jesus? Many of you, you learned Christ wrong, we talked about last week, many of you sign up for a life of comfort, of success, of God, you said you're going to provide all my needs, so you're going to give me a good job, you're going to give me a good spouse, you're going to give me a good family, you're going to give me a good house, you're going to give me a good car, you're going to give me all these things, and my life is going to be good. Paul didn't have those things. Jesus didn't have those things. And yet, those are the things that cause us the most discontent. Oh, my job isn't going so well. Oh, I, don't, I didn't get that raise, and I need that raise. Oh, I'm trying to buy a house, and, and like, it's, the Toronto market's crazy, and, and oh, we, we finally got it, but now we're in it, and like, all our money's going to it. Like, these things are causing you discontent. My, my marriage, like, it just, I don't know, it's just a little off. My kids are just so, like, all these things, guys, that, that we're putting all of our value in, that we're putting all of our worth in, are causing us discontent because the life that we sign up for was not the life that Jesus lived. But if we want light to rise in our lives, it has to come through our deaths. And you have to die to certain things if you want to imitate Christ. And you may still be saying, well, Paul, he's, he's kind of distant. That's the Apostle Paul, right? Um, let me give you a little picture into my life. Because Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I hope that I can say that to you guys as one of your leaders. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and when Paul says this, sometimes we look at them and we're like, oh, I can never say that. All Paul is saying is, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The implication is, don't imitate me if I don't imitate Christ. Okay, so hopefully there's pieces in my life that you can see, oh, he's imitating Christ, I can follow that. He's not imitating Christ there, I'm not going to follow that, right? So that's, that's just a statement here. And, and so for us, we said, Missy and I said a few, years ago, years and years ago, 15 years ago, 
to God. We'll go wherever you want us to go. We'll do whatever you want us to do. That's the starting point. That's, that's it. Have you said that to the Lord? If you haven't, you're always going to be fighting. If you can't let go of everything in your life, and you hold things in your life like this, with a closed fist, then you're always going to be struggling against what the Lord wants you to do. You're always going to be struggling with contentment. But we said that to God. We'll go wherever you want us to go, do whatever you want us to do. We thought it would be someplace warmer. We didn't think we'd be. <laughs> when, when we said that, uh, we were thinking like Tahiti or, you know, southern Thailand. Um, we didn't, I mean, Toronto's a T, so that, yeah, that, that kind of fits. Uh, but, and, and God said, gets said Toronto eventually, but there are so many things along the way that led, to, that led to this. When I look back over the last 15 years and see all the small steps that we couldn't see the future on, that God pieced together to bring us here now in this very moment with you guys. And, and it's, really, it's really amazing uh, that, that we get to share life with you guys in this way. And, and for us, it looked like little deaths along the way after a big death. We said, God, we'll go, where you, go wherever you want, do whatever you want. Like, I had to die to idols in my life. I wanted success. I wanted money. Like, we both have marketing backgrounds. We had our plans for advertising and all that. Um, and then when I went into seminary, I still had those. I'm like, I'm going to get my PhD. I'm going to do, I'm going to be in academia. I'm going to be this, whatever. And I had to die to those things. And, and so it was like this big death and then little deaths, like money, success, uh, identity, approval. We had to die to a lot of these things. And then when it came time to move here, we, had to, we left our family. We left everything we knew, guys. Guys, do you know when we moved here, we knew nobody in Canada. <laughs> like, this entire country, 35 million people, and we didn't have any relationships. That's crazy. Who does something like that? Crazy people, like we do. Um, and, and, and we just like stepped out in faith and saw God move. And it, it's been it's totally amazing, but um, we had to die. It was painful. We had to die to a bunch of stuff. You know, my first week here in Toronto, we moved here, and um, I looked out my window, and I was like, I don't know if I should say this in a sermon, but I was like, what the hell? It's like, what did we just do? Like, we just left everything to come here. Like, and it's freezing outside, and nobody's on the streets because they're hibernating. And and we live in this neighborhood where nobody talks to anybody. And like, it took us like five years for our next door neighbors to come to our house for dinner. Like, we, we were just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This is, uh, but we, it was a bunch of deaths that we had to die um, to get there. Are you ready for that in your life? If you're not, then we shouldn't even move forward in this passage. Because the rest of this is just going to be like religion to you. There's no relationship. Guys, this has to be born out of a relationship with Jesus Christ as he lays down his life for us. And we accept that and we say, yes, I'm going to be buried with you in your death, Lord Jesus, to be raised to walk in new life with you. That's what we do when we imitate God. And he says, so and walk in love. So that's just verse 1. We've got like 20 more verses. So then he says, and walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. A fragrant offering, a, a, 
uh, an, a pleasing aroma, a, an offering that smells good. So what's the difference between a fragrant offering and a foul-smelling offering? And you might say, initially you might say, well, it, it probably depends on what is offered, right? But the Bible isn't so much concerned about what is offered as how it is offered. Look, you can offer up coming to church. You can offer up, uh, you can offer up giving money. You can offer up serving with the church. You can offer up being a part of this community. You can offer up uh, all this religious stuff, and it could still smell like a pile of crap to God. In the Old Testament, the Israel has, they're offering up the same things to the Lord. They're offering up these things, and God says, yes, this is a pleasing aroma. And then another point in their history, they're offering up the same exact things, and God says, it's an abomination to me. What changed? What's the difference? It's the same sacrifice, but it's a different heart. Is what you're offering up, is it, is it through a repentant heart, or is it through a reluctant heart? Is it through a heart that loves God, or is it through a heart that just hates to lose whatever it's offering? And what, what kind of heart are you offering something to God with? He says, Jesus, willing and obedient, was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we walk in love through that offering. And verse 3 says, and again, verse 3 and following, if you can't do verse 1 and 2, verse 3 and following, it's just going to feel like religion. So um, we have to start with verse 1 and 2. It has to be born out of a relationship. It has to be born out of Christ's love and death for us that we've accepted and said yes to, and now we're following in his footsteps by being buried with Christ in his death and being raised to walk in new life. Hear me say that. I know I just said that for some of you guys, but some of you guys probably didn't hear that the first time I said it. This is why I repeated it. Like we have to be buried with Christ in his death. He does everything for us. And then we have to walk in new life with him. Right? It's his life that we get to live. It's his death that we partake in. But we keep on carrying around our old selves. Stop carrying that around and bury it in the ground. I like that. That's good, right? Write that down. <laughs> like, that'll help you remember it. That rhymes. Stop, stop carrying around and bury it in the ground. Like, you're carrying around your old self. We talked about that last week, I think it was. This is dead body. Like, you have new life in Christ. So now going into this, for us who said yes, we want to be imitators of you, Jesus. We accept your, your death and your life for us. Now this, verse 3. But sexual morality, three things. All impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. This is proper among the saints. Now, they can't even be named among us, guys. Why these three things? Sexual morality, all impurity, and covetousness. Because we all struggle with these three things. The enemy knows. The enemy knows our weaknesses, the enemy knows our, temp our temptation points, and he gets us in these spots. You may say, oh, well, I don't know if I struggle with all these things. Let's walk through it. So, sexual immorality. You may say, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good there. Um, I know most of you guys, so I know you're not good there. <laughs> sexual immorality. Guys, this is, this is something, okay, sometimes we think about this, we're like, ah, oh, sex before marriage, yes. 
uh, adultery, yes, that falls in this category. Um, rape, molestation, those things fall in this category. Um, and we're like, we look at these big sexual morality things and we're like, we're, we're fine there. We don't, we don't struggle with those. But uh, Jesus kind of redefines what, what our temptation is there. Um, he, he talks about it, you know, one of the original sins, according to John and 1 John, is the lust of the eyes. It's this lust for, for something. For, and, and a lot of us, there's this sexual temptation lust. So that works its way out through pornography. And you may say, well, I don't struggle with pornography. Um, well, do your eyes linger on things? This, this lust, this innate lust in us. How about lust of the mind? This is, this is fantasy, sexual fantasy. It's lust of the mind. Um, and, and you may still be like, ah, okay, let's, let's, take, this, let's take this further because because you may say those are kind of high-level things, but how does this work its way out in our lives? Um, I talked about this last week as well. Think about what you intake. What do you intake? What do your eyes intake? What do your ears intake? And that'll, that'll reveal to you where your temptations are. So think about the last five movies you watched, the last five videos you watched, the last five songs you listened to, the last five albums you listened to. What are you putting in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul? And I don't want to get off on the soapbox, but I'll stand on it for a little bit, and then I'll say some words and get off. We, as followers of Jesus, as the church, as Christians, who call us, or people who call, us, call themselves Christians, are the worst intakers of culture and society. Like, we're just so not discerning. We just take in everything that the culture takes in. Games of, Game of Thrones is popular. Yeah, we love it. Great story. Let's, let's watch it and, and consume it like everybody else because we, we think we're immune to it. Guys, it's like watching rape. Pornography. Just because it has a story doesn't make it okay. Like, porno, porn movies have stories too, guys. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make it okay to watch that stuff. Like, we are feeding our lusts. We're feeding our, our lustful desires. It's sexual immorality because we're partaking into it. And, and like, I can go on and on. There's so many different things. Uh, all I ask is that you think one step ahead. Like, if you can do that, I'd rather you think, like, ten steps ahead, but let's just get to one. If you can think past... Is this beneficial for me to live a life of Christ? Would Jesus do this? Like, is this, is this imitating God? If Jesus was sitting right next to me, would he be pleased with me watching this or listening to this or, or talking about this? Like, that's just one step ahead. That's all we have to do. Sexual morality, he says, must not even be named among us. All impurity. This, this is talking about a... a um, uh, like a character issue, a defilement of your personality. So think about that. What's impure in your personality? What's impure in your character? Are you, maybe you have an angry personality. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's impatience. Are you overcritical? Like what is impure in your personality? Are you impatient? Are you selfish? Like this is what it's referring to. And probably all those things were like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that. If you don't, then, then um, come talk to me after. I'll point some things out. Um, <laughs> covetousness. 
covetousness is, is kind of a weird word, but it's, it's greediness. And really this is speaking, and you may say, I'm not greedy. Um, this is speaking to moderation. So as they follow Jesus, we should be content in moderation and all things moderation. And, and greediness is the opposite of that. So are you okay with moderation or, or are you greedy for something? What are you greedy for? And most of us think when we think of greedy, we think money. And you may be greedy for money. That may be your thing. I think a lot of us struggle with that. Um, that is, the love of money is the root of all evil, Jesus says. Listen to that. Not money, the, the love of money is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil, I should say. Um, and, and, and so it may be money, but it may be approval. It may be affirmation. Are, are you greedy for someone's approval where, where you're just a people pleaser? Where you're just, you're so greedy for someone to say, good job. You're so greedy for someone to say, wow, you're, you're amazing that it, it just clouds everything. What are, you, what are you greedy for? He says, none of these things should be named among us. They're not proper among the saints. You have to die to them. Verse four, this is what it looks like then. How does this look like in our, or I mean, sorry, what are the indications of this in our life? Filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. Those are out of place. Instead, let there be thanksgiving, praises, let there be gratitude. Verse 5, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So guys, if these things are among us, if these things are named among us, if these things are in your life, sexual morality, impurity, covetousness, you have no inheritance in the kingdom of, of God. You're not a... Saint, you're not a son, you're not even a servant in the kingdom of God. None of those things. No inheritance whatsoever. Why? Because you made your choice. You are an idolater. What you did is you supplanted God's place with something else. Sexual desire, sin, immorality, uh, impurity, your overcritical attitude, your need for approval, etc., etc., and you supplanted God's place with that. And you became an idolater where you worshiped that instead and you sought that instead. And guys, I, you see, in all this, I mentioned the word sin one time. For us as followers of Jesus, I want you to get out of the framework and try to think, try to think uh, in, in terms of what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is evil. We know what is right and wrong. We know what is good and evil. Right? If, if sin, if you're asking what is sin, that's the least lowest question you can ask as a follower of Jesus. God, is this sin or not? Because if it's, if it's not, then I'm going to do it. If you're asking that question, don't do it. It's pretty easy. Just don't do it. Like that's, that's the least question. Like there's so many things that hinder you that aren't sin. And they stop you from living this life. Those are the things that you need to put to death. Jesus conquered sin. He put that to death. We don't have to put that to death. There's so many other things that, that take us away from Christ that, and, and his life and his focus that hinder us, that we have to put to death. And some of those things are really good things, guys. Like, it's not that money, making money is bad or your job is bad or, 
or success is bad. Like, these things aren't inherently evil. You know, it's not that your relationships are bad or your, your, your desire for a marriage is bad or your, um, your desire for children is bad or, or, you know, fill in the blank for you. It's not that those things are bad. Your desire for a degree, like, it's not that those things are bad. And some of those things are actually really good and can be used in the kingdom of God in a really significant way. But are they hindering you from running after Christ? Do you hold on to them with a the closed fist? Or do you say, God, whatever you want is what I want? And some things we think God has given us, we're like, well, no, I'm holding on to it tightly because God's given it to me. Hear me this morning. We make our plans, the Lord establishes our steps. This is a proverb. Hold these things loosely. Sometimes God puts things in our hands for a time, and then he says, that's no longer necessary. I'm trying to put something else in your hand, but your hand's closed. I'm trying to remove the thing that was good then, and I'm going to put something even better in right now. Are you open to that? Be open to that. He says, he says here that... Uh, Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. These are words without truth, basically. Let no one deceive you. You guys are being deceived. Do you realize that? We're being deceived. That is the enemy. This is spiritual warfare. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The sons of disobedience is a reference to Ephesians chapter 2 which we preached on back in September. And he says this in 2 verse 1, You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You followed the course of this world, following Satan, the prince of power of the air. And that spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived, following the passions of our flesh. Does that describe you more this morning? Or does the things of Jesus describe you more this morning? You may be a son of disobedience. And he says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Don't link arms with them. Guys, we need to replace our, our partner. Think about that. Like, you are linking arms and walking down the street with either the enemy or with the Savior. Essentially, we're replacing our partner. And he says in verse 8, for at one time... You were darkness. He doesn't say you were in the darkness. He doesn't say you were consumed by the darkness. He says you were darkness. You were dark. Like you were actually making the darkness greater. If you're in the darkness today, like you are contributing to the darkness. You're multiplying it. You're making it greater. He says, but now you are light in the Lord. Again, he doesn't say you, uh, you are part of the light. He doesn't say like, the light is consuming you. He doesn't say like you are basking in the light. He says you have been transformed from darkness, from being darkness, to now being light. So whereas once you were contributing to darkness, multiplying it, making it greater, you have now made the light greater. You have multiplied it. You've, you've added to it. Like That is an amazing truth that now you are actually light when you were once darkness. 
not just in the darkness and not just in the light, now you are light when you once were darkness. And you may be saying this morning, um, you may be saying that, I don't know, I, I follow Jesus and I, I believe in Jesus, but I still feel like I'm in the darkness. You may say, well, I still feel like, I don't know, I, I want to follow Jesus, but, but things are just still dark. But if this is true, when you were darkness and now you are light, I don't know how that can be true. Can, can darkness reign where light is? No. Darkness flees from the light. How, how can it be where light is? First John says this, First uh, John chapter 1, uh, verse 5. Do you have it, Josh? This is it. It says, This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie. We can't do those two things. We can't say we're in the light while we walk in darkness. We lie. And we don't practice the truth. It's empty words. We're deceived. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the truth of the scriptures right there. You can't, you can't be, and you may say, okay, well, the other part, you may say, oh, well, my light just seems really dim right now. Like, I feel like the darkness is surrounding me. My light seems really dim. What are you talking about? Like, I hear people say that. What are you talking about? Whose light is it? And who's the source of that light? It's not like you received a 40-watt bulb and I received a 100-watt bulb. We both received the sun. Does that make sense to you this morning? Jesus is your light. We both received the sun in all his brilliance. He's the brightest light in the universe, and we all received him. So our light isn't coming from something we do. It's coming from everything that he's done for us. And so your light can't be dim, because he's the light. And now we're a part of him. And, there, and darkness can't be there. Now, that doesn't mean you don't struggle. That doesn't mean that temptation, affliction, brokenness isn't uh, making the darkness feel thick around you. But I want you to realize this morning that the darkness has no power over you because you are light. It actually can't come close to you. You walk in light, not in darkness. And he says here, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light, this is verses 9 and following. We're going to flow through this. The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful... <clears throat> sorry, take no part and unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now that you're part of the light, you actually get to redeem the darkness. You get to take what, and this is spiritual warfare, guys, you get to take, and when I say spiritual warfare, I mean, like, in its purest sense, this is evangelism. This is sharing our faith. This is looking at the darkness in our city, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and saying, you don't belong there. You were made to be light. It's not condemnation, it's grace. It's looking at our coworkers, at our families and, and our relationships and saying, ah, oh, you're in darkness, you are darkness, but you're supposed to be in light. 
you created to showcase the glory of God. And that's what we share our faith out of. We don't share our faith out of being better. We know we're not. We don't share our faith out of being more holy. We know it's only Jesus and his righteousness. We don't share our faith out of, out of being anything except what we, we know that we used to be that. And we want to help rescue people out of there. And he says, expose the works of darkness, for it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. I'm not going to sit on this. I want to send this more, but think about that. It's shameful to even speak of these things that the darkness does in secret. But for most of us, it's just a natural part of how we talk. Sexual morality, impurity, covetousness. We talk like the rest of the world. Crude joking, foolish talking, filthiness. That's how we talk. No one sees any difference in, in us as followers of Jesus. He says it's shameful to even speak of those things. Verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, we can see it. It becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is actually light. That's huge. Anything that we can make visible actually becomes part of the light. For anything, or therefore it says, awake, O sleeper. Guys, there's so many people in the church that are just asleep. There's so many, and I don't mean in the sermon, <laughs> although you should wake up. Uh, there's so many people who, hey, don't pick on Shane, guys. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you, Shane. I'm used to it by now. <laughs> so he says, he says, oh, <laughs> he says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Romans 13, Paul says this. He says, besides this, you know the time. It's time for you to awake from your slumber. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. He says, therefore, cast off the works of darkness and do what? Put on the armor of light. That's, that's like our battle cry. That's how we should live. And Christ will shine on us. And I'm going to, Josh, I'm going to skip this whole next section, so don't worry about it. Uh, but verses 15 through 20 he just shows us some practicals and how to live this out. Um, and I'm just going to read through it. Now we're going to skip the slide that, that we have up there. But he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And actually, yeah, let's throw it up there. <laughs> I'll, flow, I'll fly through it. So, so that verse, look carefully then how you walk, it just talks about efficiency and responsibility. Like, this is what light... When light rises in our life through our death, this is what it looks like. We, we're, we take responsibility, and we do things efficiently because the days are evil. Now, I won't fully flesh that out because we don't have time, but there's so much time that we waste as believers. But if people are dying and going to hell and part of the darkness, we need to make a lot better use of our time. You need to make a lot better use of your time. I'm, I'm tired of us waste, wasting... <laughs> wasting time when, when our world is, is just waiting for us to tell them the truth. Verse 17 says, don't be foolish then, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Number two, just seeking and understanding. This is, this is us seeking the will of the Lord, seeking uh, his will and understanding it. There's so much I wanted to say here, but um, yeah, let's just keep on moving. Verse 18, he says, and uh, this is about filling and singing. Do not get drunk with wine, 
for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in songs and singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. One of the weirdest things I think when I come into church is, is us singing. Like, I always think it's weird. I still think it's weird that, that we come together and we, and we sing. Like, I don't, I don't know about you guys. Uh, when I first went to church, I thought it was weird, and now, like, I don't know how many years later, a couple of decades later, I still think it's like, what are we doing? What? Like, why, why do we do this? That's why, that's why like, I really want to be intentional about what we sing and how we sing it and, and those things. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of weirded out by it. But here, it says that is what someone does who's filled with the Spirit. And if you look in the Old Testament, there's, there's instances where we see that this is actually spiritual warfare. Listening to the right things that point us to Jesus is, is a tool in spiritual warfare. It, um, back in the Old Testament, David is playing his, his harp, his lyre, when this evil spirit comes on Saul and he plays his instrument and the evil spirit leaves. Uh, there's 4,000 musicians that, that sing uh, and play instruments in the temple of the Lord day and night. This is in Chronicles. 4,000. Just day and night, they're playing and singing. Elisha in the Old Testament, also there's this instance where, where he plays music and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. So if that's the case, what happens when we have music that doesn't honor God? What do you think happens? When we listen to songs that, that take our mind to broken relationships. Like, like top, just take all the top 40 stuff. Just take, let's just pick somebody. Uh, Taylor Swift. I don't know, is she in the top 40 anymore? I don't listen to that stuff. So, uh, she's still around? Yeah. Okay. Someone, uh, she's, she's singing about broken relationships. She's singing about boyfriends. She's singing about, she's singing about like, she used to be more country, right? So like her dog, I don't know. Um, her dog dying, pickup trucks, whatever it is. Uh, like, does that stuff honor the Lord? When we open ourselves up to that, like, if, is that stuff honoring to God? What do you, we think happens? If we have instances in here where, where the Spirit of the Lord can come upon us through music, like, what does that do to us? It's one step. Think about it. Some of those things, guys, you just need to die to because they're not allowing you to live. And you don't realize that. I was telling someone last week, um, and I think we've talked about this before, it's like carbon monoxide. We don't smell it. We can't taste it. It's just in the air. But you wake up one morning, and you're in hell. Because <laughs> you're dead. Carbon monoxide it just killed you. You didn't even know it. Right? I don't, I'm not really saying you're in hell, but... Uh, I, it just, like, it just seeped in there, and you didn't even realize it was affecting you. And it was slowly killing you, and then that was it. So, filling and singing. Last one, verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything. This is gratitude and servanthood. For everything to God, in the name of the Father and Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a... This is us just having... Uh, a mentality of gratitude, like looking at giving thanks for everything. Do you do that in your life? There's so many things that we don't give thanks for, that we, we feel like we deserve, or, or we don't see as worthy of gratitude. 
and, and so we don't, we don't give thanks for it. Like that is a perspective shift, to see everything in your life worthy of gratitude. And that Lord has given you this. And so many of us are pining over, we're covetous, we're, we're greedy over what we don't have, and we're missing what we do have that's right in front of us. And so much of your suffering comes from that, so much of your discontent comes from that. And then servanthood, serving others and looking towards others. The new common, we talked about that, that's all about that, guys. Like that is where us as a church, we are focused on serving St. Jamestown through the new common, through your domains, through your vocations, through your passions, through your gifts, through all those things. And we're trying to empower you to empower our community. And we're not telling you, hey guys, we're going to the soup kitchen. Like, we don't do that here. Like, that's good. I love that some churches do that. But that doesn't empower you in your gifts necessarily. That may empower some of you, but not all of us. And we want to say, how do we do that here? How do we do that in our city? How do we bring light into our city? And light and the glory of God are connected all throughout the scriptures. Genesis 1, there's a glory... There's the glory of God. And, and God says, let there be light. You know what's giving the light? It's not the sun. The sun hasn't been created yet. The sun isn't created till day four. There's no moon. There's no stars. There's no sun. The glory of God is giving light from day one. And then you go into a passage like, uh, Exodus chapter 10, and this is the plagues of Egypt, and the plague that is on Egypt, God is trying to free his people from Egypt and release his people. The plague that's on Egypt is darkness. It's pitch black in the land. It's just dark. Except for the people of Israel. They have light. How powerful is that? Why do they have light? Because they're the people of God. And in that, in that land, they're the only ones who have light in Exodus chapter 10. Then in Exodus chapter 14, they're going through the wilderness. Pharaoh, his army is coming after them. And they get stuck in between the sea and the wilderness. And the light of the glory of God comes from in front of them, that's leading them, and shifts to the back and, and stands in between them and the army. The light of the glory of God does that. It prevents the darkness from overtaking them. And in Exodus 34, Moses goes up on the mountain and he comes, he comes down and he's been in the presence of the glory of God. And the scriptures say that his face shines with the light of the glory of God, like the sun in all its brilliance for the rest of his life. He has to wear a veil over his face. Because when people see him, they're like, whoa, like this guy's been with the Lord. Did your face look like that? For most of us, our face looks like we've been with the enemy. We're just dejected and downcast. Moses, the rest of his life, his face looks like he's been with the Lord. In 2 Samuel 22, David writes, The Lord is my light. He's my salvation. God lightens my darkness. Does God lighten your darkness this morning? That's what he does. He takes your darkness and he makes it light. And then in Psalms, you see light all throughout. There's so many different Psalms in here. The Lord is my light, Psalm 18. Uh, my salvation, whom shall I fear? We don't have to fear the darkness, guys. Psalm 139, we uh, actually, there's a Psalm 27 where David's refrain is repeated. It's in the Psalms. And in Psalm 139, uh, the, the psalmist says, Surely I could say that darkness is going to overcome me, but I know that you are brighter than the night, that you are greater than the darkness. You actually 
change the darkness, God, is what the psalmist says. You do that, God. You do that. And then Isaiah, Isaiah, you can trace the theme of light all the way through the book of Isaiah. It's all the way through the Isaiah 53. It talks about the suffering servant and Jesus, and, and, and out of the anguish of his soul he shall see light. And then Isaiah 60, he says, arise, uh, your light is shining, the Lord is here, the Lord is coming. And then you get to the New Testament, and in Matthew chapter 5, this is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking, and you have salt and light, and he says, let your good deeds shine before men that they may glorify God. Are we letting our good deeds shine to glorify God? Or is sexual morality, impurity, covetousness, or what, are those things that are what define us? He says those things are not proper among the saints. And then Luke 2, we have the angels come to announce the birth of Jesus. And, and it's in the middle of the night, guys, and it's darkness all around. And it says the light shone into the darkness because the glory of God was there. And then in John chapter 1, we have this beautiful passage on the Word made flesh. It says, in him was life, the, and he was the light of men, and the light came into the darkness, and what? The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will never overcome it, guys. And then 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, we have Paul reference Moses' veiled face, and he says, but us... The church, us, followers of Jesus, we behold the glory of God with unveiled face to reflect the light of the glory of the gospel of God. That's what we get to reflect. And then Peter picks this up in 1 Peter chapter 2. He picks up what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, and he says, You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, and so, you have been called out of the darkness to step into his marvelous light. And in doing so, your good deeds will glorify God. And then to bookend the entire scriptures from Genesis 1, now to Genesis 21 and 22, we have the new city, the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth, and it says, there will be no more sun, there will be no more moon. The, the city has no need of light. Why? Because the light is the glory of God. And guess who the lamp is? Guess where that light is from? It says the light is the lamb. And who's the lamb? It's Jesus. It's him laying his life down for us. It's him sacrificing himself for us. It's him taking on the anguish of his soul so that he would see light, as Isaiah 53 says. It's him being a fragrant offering. It's him dying for us when he didn't have to. That's what he's calling us to today. If you want your light to rise, if you want light to rise in you this morning, in your life, it has to be through your death. And we have to follow Jesus in that. And then we'll see the glory of God. And then you'll be transformed, and then you'll be changed. So that's what we invite you to this morning as we enter our response time with communion. 
Christ's body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, and we get to say yes to that this morning. And for you this morning, you may say yes to that for the first time. For you who's, who's been around the church for a while, who may say, I believe in Jesus, you may, be, you may say yes to Jesus and following Jesus more fully today. And so as you take communion this morning, I don't want it to be just a, just a tradition, just a ritual, just something you do, because that's what the church does. Guys, there's power in this ordinance this morning. There's power in this table and saying yes to Jesus in a new, fresh way for you this morning. And so, what, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. And if, if today you, you want to choose to be a follower of Jesus, this is also for you. But if you're uh, not a follower of Jesus yet, um, this, feel no pressure. This does not make sense to you yet, and you can refrain. But once you're ready, come and take communion with us, and let's celebrate Jesus together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace and your truth for your sacrifice and your willingness for your obedience and your death and your life and we walk forward in that today and for me personally i want to say yes yes to you jesus always yes And that whatever has to die in me today, I want to give that over to you. Whatever is in my heart that is preventing me and hindering me from following you, Mike, you want me to. I want to give that over to you today and lay that down at this altar. And so I pray that over all of us today, that you'd reveal things to us in this moment where we say yes to you and no to that. And we stop carrying whatever it is around and just bury it in the ground. And so, thank you. We love you. And we walk forward in your life this morning, Jesus. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.